Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is For the Love of Sports. Today, really, really cool guest. I have Linda Ruth Tassetti, Babe Ruth's granddaughter, on. She is essentially a Babe Ruth historian. She's been um, studying and learning stories and all the, all the facts and figures about Babe Ruth for the last 50 years of her life. Uh, and it was really, really interesting just to, I mean, kind of stay quiet and just listen to all the incredible things she had to say, all the stories, all the opportunities, everything that, you know, her grandfather did and, and has done and really how he's still affecting people today, which is really cool through her, which which I think is the most important part. Linda has so many stories. I asked a lot of questions, but I'm absolutely going to have her on again because I feel like there are so, so, so many more stories to go. But it was it was a blast getting to talk to her and really what her grandfather was all about. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Perfect. Well, thank you so much today. I have a really cool guest. Probably I've talked to some incredible people, but this one, this one might take the cake so far. I have Linda, Linda Ruth Tassetti. She is Babe Ruth's granddaughter. Um, I put in quotation marks, a Babe Ruth historian here. And Linda, sincerely, sincerely appreciate you hanging out with me today. Oh, no, thanks for asking. There's one thing I love to talk about is my grandfather. I've been studying him for 50 years, um, starting with my mom. Uh, who was his daughter, and um, I love—I I love to get the chance to share it. It, it is incredible. I, as I as I told you, you know, only in the, most of the conversations we've had so far, I am a mm-hmm. huge baseball fan. You know, I love my girlfriend, <laughs> but baseball can't leave me, right? Um, you know, and I, I don't think she will anytime soon. We are getting married soon, so that's that. But I don't oh, think she'll leave congratulations. me. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. But I don't. Baseball can't leave me because it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I'm also a Mets fan, which it's a very complicated relationship baseball and I have. But well, we're here now, and that's what matters most, right? Mets, Mets are great. Baseball is baseball. Whatever team is your team. Uh, I met, in fact, the owner of um, the Mets, um, I, excuse me if I get his name wrong, Walburn? Walburn? Wilpon, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to put a statue of Babe Ruth up in um, City Field. Was he really? What happened? I don't know. I uh, can't get near him anymore. I don't know. Yeah. That was about four, four or five years ago, right, right after they built it. Well, hopefully, and then when I tried to get a hold of him, I can't get past. Uh, oh yeah, Jay, his mm-hmm. white hand man there. Yep. So yep. I just, if it if it happens, it happens, Mike. That's all. That's the way it is. Well, I think we're both on the same side here. Let's hope that they sell the team because that's apparently going to happen. And then whoever the new owner is is a smart man. He'll reach back out to you and say, "Hey, I'd love to put something up about your grandfather because he's an, a New York icon." Um, but yes, Linda, there's the no, first... there's no, oh, real fast. There's no statue of him in New York, you know. Really? Anywhere. Not even at Yankee Stadium? Nope. Why not? Nope. He's got his monument. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. That's crazy. You'd think that there'd be a statue. Hey, hopefully the Mets can take advantage then. I don't know. It sounds like someone at the yeah. Yankees isn't doing their job, if you ask me. Well, Babe's bigger than the Steinbrenners. That's the problem. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That, no, yeah, it is a point. Yeah. Babe Ruth Plaza is only there because I made a stink. Well, um, hopefully, was, thankfully, you did. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I'm the big mouth granddaughter. They used to call uh-huh. me. 
Well, <laughs> however it works, you get things done. And that's the most important part, Linda. I love it. And again, sincerely appreciate you getting here and, and talking again about yourself, about your grandfather, someone you truly love, uh, who's a huge figure in baseball, as we've been talking about. But the first question I like to ask all my guests, because this is the podcast, the name of it is For the Love of Sports. I want to know, mm. why do you love sports so much? Well, it's not so much I'm a, a sports fan, though I did marry a sports fan. Um, I'm more of a Babe fan. Um, I was raised uh, old school doing, uh, you know, knitting and, and crocheting and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I wasn't big into sports. We didn't have baseball in our lives because my mother was afraid someone would kidnap us because I'm the youngest of six. So she wouldn't have the money to get us back. And because she never saw any of her father's money. Mm-hmm. And so until I was old enough to really kind of take care of myself a bit, um, I didn't even know who he was. Wow. So we didn't have baseball on that transistor radio. We didn't have football on TV, nothing like that. Oh, not a sports oriented family. Believe it or not, that I I understand. Obviously, the times were a little different back then um, than they are now. Obviously, but that that's very interesting. I mean, at what age did you did it finally? Did did you I guess realize that your your grandfather was one of the you know big, one of the one or two biggest names in the entire sport that's been uh, you know the literal American pastime? Well, when we went to we went to live in Long Island with my grandmother with the her her uh, her husband died. Um, we wanted to get her back to Connecticut, which is where we were. I was born and where we were from. What happened was um, she had her her husband worked at Yankee Stadium, and there, there were all kinds of baseball Yankee pictures. But my grandfather was just one of many people. He didn't stand out. And so what happened was uh, we had one of the priests over from the Catholic school that I was attending. And he must have told the fathers about these pictures. And I had a classmate, I guess it's about seventh grade, come up to me and said, um, so your grandfather's Babe Ruth? And I went, yeah. And he said, well, you know what he did, didn't you? And I quote, I'm putting quotations because this is directly from my mother. He played baseball for a living. Get out of here. We'll play, you know, uh-huh. and so he filled me in on this famous grandfather I had, and I went home and said, "Mom, we're famous," and he goes, "You're not famous," and I said, "Yeah, you are. Your dad is. I am." She goes, "No, you didn't hit the ball," <laughs> and thus started my education on, you know, you're you're lucky to be born in this family because my mother was very very humble, just like Babe was very humble. And, uh, and that's the way I was raised. You know, you're no different than anybody else. There are people better than you. There's people worse from you. You're just part of part of the flow. That's and, that, uh, that, that's an incredible story. I mean, not realizing until seventh grade. So what's that's like, you know, 12, 13 years old. I guess you're still growing up and there, there's a lot still to be learned. But at that point in time, sure. I, it's a funny how you went home and told your mom that you're famous. Um, yeah, I'm going to time myself now. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm going to date myself, Michael. Uh-oh. You ready for this? I'm ready. I, Dave, I, I compared my grandfather and being famous like Davy Jones of the Monkeys, famous. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. That's that one's old. Get what um, my brain is. I love it. I love it. Maybe, uh, maybe in the show notes, I'll add a YouTube uh, a page of what the monkeys, who the monkeys are, in case anybody out there doesn't know. Oh, it has to be. Uh, 
Yeah, it has to be Davy Jones. Yeah, that definitely. Deal. He deal. just that, passed, unfortunately. Did he really? Oh, I missed that. That's unfortunate. Oh, goodness. Yeah, a couple of years ago. I had a chance mm-hmm. to meet him, too. I was this close. You've met everybody, but maybe Linda. This my, is awesome. But, well, maybe my 11-year-old self didn't want to be disappointed. Or, you know, sometimes uh-huh. when you meet the people you really, you know, want to, sometimes you're disappointed. So maybe uh, the universe says, Linda, you don't need to meet Davey, you know. It were it, hey, maybe in another life. <laughs> you're here, exactly right. You're here now. Um, you did so good. You did so well that you get to hang out with me at three o'clock on a Monday, Linda. It's got to be hey, you're doing. You're doing something right. Who's better than me? I, it's, I love it. I'm very comfortable. I'm sitting back in a chair, my feet up. Look at that. Having a nice day. Having a nice conversation. You Look know. At that. But well, I will. Yeah. But I will tell you what it started in me when I found out. Mm-hmm was this famous grandfather because i was also a movie when i got to new york we had three uh stations here we made when we moved to new york i had 13 stations to watch so i guess you could say i was the child of tv mm-hmm. and i loved the old movies i mean i had a crush on james cagney when i was 10 Do you know what i mean i just love the old movies and stuff but so what it started in me having this famous grandfather was I wanted to know him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know this man that I'm never going to get a chance to meet. And when I heard about his records, I didn't want to know about them. Everybody knows about them. Mm-hmm. I want to know how he felt when he hit them, which is quite a different story. Absolutely. The private man. And so how did and you go? Why, yeah. How did you go about uh, finding all those stories? Because you must have, I mean, especially at, at 12, you know, 11, 12 years old, whatever you were at the time when you kind of, you know, came to the realization that again, you know, Babe Ruth, your grandfather, not only played baseball, uh-huh. but was one of the best players of, ever of all time and in, in multiple categories and statistics as you brought up. How did you go about, you know, at such a young age, just kind of a convincing your mom to, I guess, let you talk to people <laughs> or, or, you know, how, how exactly did that process no. work when you were so young? Actually, it started with her. I had questions, so I asked her. And, of course, the first one she told me was when Babe went, when he was in um, Hawaii, he went to visit the lepers at Mauna Kai. And nobody wanted him to go. And he really wanted to go and spend, he said, they're not going to be able to see me any other way. So, um and my grandfather had a pension, which I was, this is like, this is, now I'm 65 now, Mike. So this is a, a long journey over those years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it never stops. It really doesn't. Every day, I get something about my grandfather. It's really kind of amazing. So anyway, so they said, you can't go. And he says, well, I'm going. And so a priest, a boatman and him went to the island. They rode up on donkeys and he spent the whole day with the lepers having, eating with them, sitting with them on their, his lap, playing with the kids. And so when he got back, they said, what if you get it? He says, well, that it's God's will. So with that story, I found out, well, my grandfather was a pretty cool guy. That was my initial. Mm-hmm. This, this, this private man is, is pretty cool to do that, you know, because now we know it's not as contagious as it seemed. But then they didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't absolutely. certainly didn't know that. And so not only was he kind, but he was brave. And so that started out. And of course, that just led to more questions. And But that was the first story she told me. That was that, To her, that was the essence of what her father was. 
And, and you brought it up before, as you said, you're not worried about the statistics because, you know, I can go online and everybody can find those statistics. People can mm-hmm. rattle them off. As you said, your husband could probably rattle them off in his sleep. Oh. Um, it's just, yeah. it's just learning about the man behind the statistics and what he did. And I think that that story really emulates what you were talking about before and really understanding that, you know, he's, he's one of the, he's easily one of the most famous people on planet earth. He's the only one, you know, who else was that famous at that time? And, and he's willing to do these types of things because he's, he's a good person, but he's also a brave person. Yeah. So I can understand how, you know, why your mom wanted to tell you that story first, whether it was intentional or not. Um, it clearly sparked something within you at such a young age. And yeah, then led to another 50 oh, years yeah. of, of learning and, and being excited and getting to talk about one of, you know, as we've talked about the most incredible people on, on the planet at that time. Well, it developed this, this incredible, and yes, people, you're going to think I'm a crazy, but it, it created this connection between me and my grandfather that this, to this day, um, if I have a question about him, I can guarantee you within a week, maybe a month, I'll get the answer. By reaching out you know, or, or having uh, someone reach out just, to you? How, no, how does it asking, no, just yeah. asking. I'm wanting to know it. Just wanting to know it. Um, someone asked me, okay, just recently last summer. I was at, um, I was in um, New York, um, right outside of Herkimer, um, and they made Babe Ruth Day every every day mm-hmm. on, uh, I think it was July. And see, I don't, numbers don't stay in my head. Uh-huh. Anyway, they, and so I wanted to see the Herkimer Diamond Mines. I'm really into stones and, you know, uh, gems and uh, positive things that they do. I tend to be on the spiritual side. So I wanted to go and I wanted to see the Herkimer Mines. So the dinner before that night, someone said, was he a gentle man? Now I'm thinking, well, yeah, he saw kids. I'm assuming he was a gentle man. I've never been asked that question. So the next day, no kidding, the Herkimer Diamond, the lady closed the, it wasn't open but she let a few, few people in. So all of a sudden this guy comes running up to me and the woman that owned it, Nandy, and said, uh, there's somebody that wants to meet Linda really bad. He's from Texas and he's over here in the building here. So, you know, Renee said, would you like to, and I said, sure. Her name is Renee Shavat. She does a lot of giving back too. She owns one of the biggest Herkimer mines in Herkimer, New York. So we go. And he said, you know, hello, little lady, right, right from Texas. He says, I have to tell you this story. He says, my grandmother was on a train ride. And she had my mother, Tiny, in her arms. And on this train was Mr. Ruth. And he came walking over to my mother, my grandmother, and said, may I hold the baby? So... My grandmother said, of course, Mr. Ruth, and she handed this tiny baby to to my grandfather. He started playing with the baby. And then his grandmother said, do you have any of your own? He goes, no, not yet. That was before my mother was born. Now, the night before I'm asked, is he a gentle man? What does this story tell me? And it came all the way from Texas, mind you. Yep. What did it just tell me? That he was absolutely that that's that's pretty cool. 
that's but that happened my husband my husband doesn't even flinch anymore when things like that happen i get the answers i really really do and and it's a gift i think um if he's on the other side either he's giving them to me or um you know i am writing a book about the private man mm-hmm. and i'm writing it and and so these little tidbits are kind of like i take them as little bits of gold you know and uh, they keep coming. For 50 years, they've come. And he still has surprises. And he's never boring. And my husband joined this ride about 40 years ago. And he even finds it he it's exciting. Babe is exciting. I tell anybody, if you're getting on the Babe Ruth ride, buckle in. Because uh-huh. it's going be, to be a ride. That's it awesome. It really is. That's so cool. It's and interesting. I, I, it, it has to be. I'm a big believer in the universe and, you know, putting things out there and they'll, they'll, they'll come uh-huh. to you. Um, and it sounds like you've been, you've been on that ride for a few years now, um, Linda, and I, and I think I it's can- working and I think it's awesome. I count on it. I yeah. almost count on it now. Absolutely. At this point, um, if you've seen you it know, happen this many times, why would you, why would you assume anything else? Exactly. And, and, you know, I won't answer a question. Like she said, is it a gentleman? I said, I suppose so. He loved kids and they loved him. But I couldn't say yes or no because I'd never been asked that question. And then I now I can say yes, he was. You know, it's just it's it's kind of cool. Just that little yes, he was is important because Babe, Babe is the only player that everybody writes about his foibles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, all the carousing stories and a lot of them. I'm not saying all of them. I, 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 I accept the women because that, that's who babe was. It still happens. Mm-hmm. It's part of the man, but it's been grossly exaggerated. My mother said if he had that many women, he wouldn't have been able to pick up a bat. Never mind a 54 ounce bat, by the way, which is what he started with. Absolutely. A 54 ounce bat from 16 to 22. He wouldn't have been able to pick it up. So it's always grossly you know, and they say, hey, babe, what'd you have, a steak? Yeah, I had two. In a locker room talk, you uh-huh, know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You didn't eat two steaks at breakfast, you know? Just just that kind of stuff, you of know? Of course, and and so, that's going to happen. People people exaggerate. Yeah. Every story has a little exaggeration in it. Um, But no, I... I, I but they... Keep going. They still love them, though. They Absolutely. still love them. Even with the, all his foibles, they still love him. Yep, look at that. It worked. I mean, hey, like, just we we've all done things that I'm sure we're not proud of. You know, I've, oh. I I think back. You know, I'm only 28 now. You know, I think back at some of the stuff that I thought and did at 21, 22 in college, and I'm just like, how stupid was I? So I, I yeah. I'm not here. I'm not here to judge other people. You know, we all we all Me do either. things, but you know, it is what it is. We can still all appreciate. And uh, obviously, Babe Ruth is one of those gentlemen um, that yes, I'm I'm sure. Times were different back then, and that's not always the best excuse. But um, you know, obviously he, things change, and, he, and doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah, he, he grew up in baseball. He literally grew up in baseball. He nineteen. He entered baseball at nineteen. Now you remember how you used to think at nineteen? Uh, oh, and everybody who's yes. listening of this, yep. think about how you used to think when you were nineteen. Exactly. Yep. So, so he did it in front of like hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> yep. 
And then quickly God, became one of the best. Oh my goodness. Oh, I can only yeah. imagine. I was stupid at 19. I'm stupid now at 28. Um, you know, <laughs> I still catch myself thinking like, why did I do or say that? Uh, so I can only imagine what it was like, but no, it's, 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 it's an, again, yeah. it's an absolute honor to have you on. This is so much fun. Just getting oh, to, be able I love to, it. to chat about this. So I guess on, on the, um, uh, on those kind of exaggerated stories, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll focus mm-hmm. more on the good than the bad, but I'm, I'm kind of curious oh, how, no, many, yeah. how many, um, you know, you obviously have spoken to hundreds, if not thousands of people, you've heard countless stories. How many of those, especially when you were younger, did you realize where, you know, I'm going to use quotation marks for kind of tall tales, where after time, you kind of realize that maybe they were those stories were just a little exaggerated over time. Um, and kind of had to find the real occurrence of what actually did happen. Well, when I found out most of these authors that wrote the books, if you listen to the tapes, uh, like at the Hall of Fame, of that they took talking to the different players, mm-hmm. first of all, they always talked to Babe's drinking buddies. Ah. <laughs> and before they would tell the stories, they'd have to get the guy drunk. That's when I went, aha. Yeah, maybe not the best. Uh, maybe not the best. Jumping Joe Dugan was the, was the one. He had to be drunk before he'd spill the stories. So how many were real coming Ex- out that? Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's, 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 that's funny. Like, and, when, and as you get older, it doesn't make sense. There was eight cigar butts in the ashtray, which means he had a girl every time. Now, if anybody knows about cigars, which my husband is like a aficionado, you can't smoke a cigar that quick. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness, yeah. So, so, you know what? And I found out from my mother, it's in the family. My brother had it. My grandfather was ADHD. Mm-hmm. But then it would have been undiagnosed. Oh, yeah, that would nothing back then. He never slept. His father used to beat him with a bullwhip, you know, a horse whip. Mm-hmm. Nothing. He ate. He was a voracious eater. He, he did have a big appetite. I don't think two steakfuls, but <laughs> he had a voracious appetite. He uh, would get in all kinds of trouble because he'd roam the streets at night or he'd be hanging out in the bar and the guys would be, be giving him liquor and he'd, he'd take some coins, you know, off the counter or, or out of the register and go buy kids, um, you know, uh, ice cream. Mm-hmm. He'd be sharpening his pitching by throwing tomatoes at the truck drivers you know all things that you shouldn't be doing and he's only six or seven years old when he's doing all this uh-huh. stuff he's learning to smoke and all kinds of stuff from the bar so so he was pretty on a pretty pretty rocky start and so by the time he got to st mary's of course i don't think they really ever curb the adhd ex- except to the point where he hyper-focused. See, they're, fi- they're finding, rather than riddling these kids to oblivion, mm-hmm. if you can get them to focus on something they really, really like, and they put all their energy, you're going to find a lot of ball players. if you do some research, you're going to find a lot of them are ADHD guys. You know, they were kids, and yep. now they're, you know, because when you get older, you, you keep the, you 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 you're not ADHD anymore, but you have the pattern. Mm-hmm. You don't sleep. You don't you know. And if they could hyper focus these pe- these kids on things they really are interested in, then that's that's you know it, it helps them anyway. Yeah. It helps yeah. them absolutely. And, I, I uh, could see that. 
that we could never get my 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 brother used to fish. He used to love to fish. Mm-hmm. He'd fish fresh, salt, whatever he could. My father would bring him to school. He'd run out the back door. He hit his pole and he'd go fishing all day. <sighs> he went in the front door and ran out the back door. And and that was just his gig, fishing. But he used to wake me up at three o'clock in the morning to play with him. You know, hard, so yeah, he hard time fight. to start playing. Yeah, well, it was, I I I still loved it because I got to play with his erector. I was a tomboy. I got to play with his erector sets and his race cars. Uh-huh. We must have we must have put every rat think model together <laughs> in the middle of the night. You know, so yeah, it's, no, it was fun. But I was I, I didn't want to go to school, and I was a quite nervous child. So they didn't know what was wrong with me because they mm-hmm. didn't know Richie was waking me up. But uh-huh. my grandfather used. My grandfather used to watch trains come in, just sit there and watch the trains come and go. You know, he just, uh, he would, he would keep himself as busy as he could. So they had to do something with him. And anyway, so, and that's what they did. They, they, uh, that's why he broke, that's why I was going with this whole story. You got to excuse me. He's spiderweb. Um, he used to, um, break curfew all the time. Well, if you put it, he only slept two or three hours a night. If you put him in a, uh, in a room, he'd go bananas. What is he going to do? Yeah. You know? And uh, he was kind of here. And, and sitting and reading for an ADHD guy is not going to work. <laughs> not unless that's his real interest, you know? Uh-huh. Yep. So, so, so he, he, that's why if, if you, his eating, his, um, his, his, um, his carousing, if you want to call it that, uh, it, it all comes back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that makes he, sense. He'd break yeah. And people don't realize that they think he's, was, I had somebody call him a malcontent. I went, you gotta be kidding me. That's not what my grandfather was. That's the last thing he was. And you've, you know, you, he was, you've- You've heard too many good stories to ever think that that, you know, is, is the case. I mean, of course, as we were just talking about before, we've all done silly things. We've all, we've all said stupid stuff. Yeah. We've all done things that we might not be the most proud of, but that doesn't make us bad people, right? Um, and it doesn't sound like your yeah. grandfather uh, would, would, would fit the definition of a malcontent at all. It just sounds like, uh, you know, he had, a, he had a lot of stuff on his mind and he was, he was running around. And, you know, if you, uh, you know, as you said, you put him in the room, he probably got bored of sleeping after two or three hours. And that's why he had to wake up and go do things, right? Exactly, or keep his or keep his roommate up talking or whatever. But he also hit a fan once. The fan was yelling some real bad things, and and Babe let him have it. Now, how old was he? He was like nineteen, twenty, you know, years old. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's something a nineteen or twenty year old would know how to handle. Yep, absolutely. And so it it all makes sense. It doesn't make it okay, but it makes it understandable. And absolutely. see, they don't take the time to explain that in books. You know, and so even with Big Fella, um, I don't even want to bring out these things, but for an example, they said that they had to bring girls in from Sapporo because the uh, where he was in China, the women were all too small for him. Now, obviously, none of them met my grandmother who wasn't mm-hmm. married to my grandfather. She was the tiniest thing you ever saw. <laughs> now, that did not come from my grandfather. I know exactly where that came from. That came from Lefty Gomez because that's the kind of humor he had, sarcastic. Mm-hmm. I never liked him myself. He's my, he was my brother's um, godfather. 
I never really liked Lefty Gomez. I thought he was a wise guy. But but that's something he would say to the press. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Not Babe. Yeah. Because and Babe would never do that. Have some women, bigger women, flown in for him. Come on. Yeah. You know. that, yeah. That does sound. It does sound like as you were saying before. Um. You know. It's it's when you see something written down, it is completely different than hearing it in context. Because the way, as as you said, satirical humor. People are going to laugh at sarcasm. They're going to laugh at some of these things when they're said. But if you just write it down and then years and years and years later, use that as a quote, um, it, of course, is going to lose all of its context. And then people are going to just take it at face value when in reality, that is not the case. So uh, things like that are going to happen. And uh, it it is unfortunate. But at the same time, we have people like you fighting the good fight, just going around. And, you know, the story you told earlier about, you know, him and being a gentle man like that. Those are the good yeah. things, and that's the stuff that you know we will we'll focus on some more. Well, you know what? That's um, see, that's I don't, you know, I even kind of cringe should I bring it up, even give it cre- that much credence. But I had to use an example, and that was a good example. But I don't even answer them. Um, in other words, I'm not going to go like I've had people come up and say, "Oh, your grandfather was a drunk." Now, do I get mad and I go back at him? No, because that's what they want. I just say, well, yeah, he certainly liked to, he liked his beer, but did you know what else he did? You know, and so I try and turn it, but I don't fight toe to toe because mm-hmm. I found out that does not, that only makes it worse. Yeah, always And it does. makes it grander. Mm-hmm. And I even told uh, Ty Cobb's daughter, stop fighting online about your grandfather because it only feeds into what they think absolutely you just say yeah "Yeah, but did you know he built a hospital you know you you can change the conversation and they'll go oh we didn't know that i said well you should do some research it's just kind of he's a cool guy you know what i'm saying so that's that's how i handle it anyway i think and that i think that's that's the best way to handle it um by telling someone they're wrong, they don't want to be wrong, so they're going to try and be no. more right about their thoughts, right? Exactly. You know, it's it's, exactly. it's it's like a lot of things, especially now with with people fighting online about politics. It's you tell someone that they're uh. wrong, they're going to say, "No, I'm right," um, and then we just have an argument rather than bringing up points like you said, like, "Hey, you know, he he actually built a hospital, pretty important." You know, some of the stories that you've been able to reminisce upon. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's the important way to go about it, and. Sounds like you're doing a gosh darn good job, Linda. So this is well, you know fantastic. what, babe, babe is easy, babe is easy. I am blessed beyond all blessed. He still does his own PR. I guess if you got to put a handle on it or a tag on it, when people find out who I am, they already like me. <laughs> they love him. They already like me. All I have to do is smile and be nice. How easy is that? He's still doing all the work after. He'd be 125 this year. Okay? Uh, February 6th. And he's still doing his own PR. I just have to smile. Now, how easy is that? I I very seldom get what I told you before about, oh, he's a drunk. Those are very far and few between, but I do Mm -hmm. get them. The rest is people are just happy and they're smiling. God, you really? Oh, man, that's got to be cool. And then we talk about Babe. So he really is easy. Out of all the ball players, like Mantle family, which we, I had a Mantle Thanksgiving before um, 
um, uh, his wife died, mm-hmm. Merlin. And um, they're all, Danny's nice. Uh, he's the youngest. He's very sick, though. He has pancreatitis. Oh, and no. then you have David, who looks just like his father. And, the, of course, the other two, the oldest and the second oldest, passed away. Um, you know, from I think one from cancer and the other one, I'm not sure what, I think it was drugs. But he was a reluctant, um, Mickey, he didn't like the limelight. He was mm-hmm. from Oklahoma. He really didn't like the limelight. He played baseball because he wanted to play, but most of it, he really did carouse. You know, that's what he did every day. He caroused. He wasn't that nice with women, you know. Um, it's just the way he was because he thought he was going to die any day. He really thought he, he wouldn't have a long life because there's always a reason why these guys do something, you know, that's mm-hmm. what I found out. So that's why I don't judge. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when it comes down to talking about their father, they have a real short window. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He wasn't a nice guy. You know what I mean? He wasn't, yeah, he was a uh, misogynist women, you know, he's just, he's just he, he was, that's just the way he was. Um, I never met him myself except when he went into the hall of fame and he really just kind of grunted at me, but I don't have that problem. I've got mm-hmm. quite the opposite. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I feel blessed. Cause I know there's a lot of ball players that, that uh, well, families that aren't that blessed, Absolutely. you know, and, uh, so I try and do good with it. Good. You know, I talk, I, I talk to schools, you know, I used to when they were in the, um, in the history book and, uh, you know, and I just do what I can do for the, um, for the, the legacy. And by all means, you won't even find me with a drink in my hand. You won't see me with a drink of water in my hand. My mother said, if you get caught with a glass in your hand, they're going to make it liquor. I said, yeah, but it's just water. I don't drink. I really don't drink. I don't even mm-hmm. drink wine. I, I drink cranberry and seltzer. <laughs> and they said, yeah, but that's going to look like cosmopolitan or whatever in a glass. And my mother was really, because he, he wasn't a drinker. He liked his beer. Mm-hmm. But he used to drink like at a, at a speakeasy. He would drink. But he was 6'2", and he had that ADHD thing burning it up. And so he never got dropped you know, passing out kind of drunk mm-hmm. ever, you know, mm-hmm. it just, it just burned it up. But yeah, I mean, he used to party hard. Oh, he had to be at the, at the, you know, at the speakeasies and everything where you're supposed to party. Oh yeah. He, you know, he could, he could have just as fun as the next person. Absolutely. Well, Hey, we're here, we're here for a good time, right? How, yeah. That's how, but that's how much I protect my mother did. Mm-hmm. And I put, we all protect the legacy. And that, and you'll and, never find us drunk, drunk, you know. Never. Good, yeah, good, and 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 I like the way you said, you know, he he does all the PR for you. All you have to do is smile and be nice. I mean, you know, I'm I'm extremely grateful that you know James uh, put us in context, James Fiorentino, <laughs> um, and you know, it, it is awesome. You know, obviously, we were we were bound to have a good conversation right from the start because I'm a baseball fan, and and you know, you're you're oh, a part yeah. of a legacy, um, and I think it's fantastic that you're able to kind of continue that forward. So. It, it sounds like you have many, many more good conversations than bad. Um, and, you know, that's, that's always something fun. Because, um, I mean, how, oh, cool, yeah. how cool is it? You just get to go walk around and people are just extremely happy to see you and talk to you. I mean, that's got to be one of the best feelings in the world. I carry like a postcard size um, with, my, with my site on the back of it and everything. 
And and I, I did it for the school kids because the eight by tens were getting ripped before they got home. Yeah. So I had these heavy stock cards made and they worked out beautifully. But now people, those are my, those are my cards now. Huh. So um, I have them printed up and people love them. I have them uh, pitching with, in Boston and I have them with the Yankees mm-hmm. um, walking to the plate with his big bat. And it was at the Polo Grounds. And uh, people just, they, oh, can I have one? Oh, can I have one for my father? Oh, my grandfather would love it. He met your grandfather, you know? And and I just get all these marvelous stories. That's all. And it, it's really cool. And kids, the best thing about it is grandparents, mom, dad, they're passing them down. Mm-hmm. That's what makes, babe. You know, everybody says, what makes your grandfather iconic? Yes, he revolutionized baseball with the home run. Yes, he did. Okay, he learned that in St. Mary's. He found out when he hit a ball out of the park, people went nuts. The kids mm-hmm. went nuts. So he said, oh, I'll do that. I can do that again. That's all that was, you know, was the excitement he created. That's funny. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to study baseball. and we can. It wasn't that technical. Uh-huh. He hit the ball, swung like hell, hit the ball, and it went out, and everybody went crazy. And that's what hooked Babe on the home run. I can do this. And his, um, let me see, his 440 dead center was St. Mary's. Wow. The, My goodness. The, yeah. Three something in the, in the, on the sides. And they had to actually turn the, uh, the field, flip the field, because he was knocking all the windows out of the trade building. Oh, goodness. That's Because he was going further than 440. Oh okay. Goodness. So it was going out in the street. Yeah. So um, that was his training ground from the age of six on up to 19. That's where he trained. So 500 foot home run, Mike, was nothing for him. That's too You funny. know, it was yeah. like, I yeah. Love it. So now you know what? See, there's a reason. If you, if you, if you research it out, you'll find there's a reason for everything. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad I get to just keep asking you some questions. This is great, Linda. Thank you so much. So, so you brought oh, it up. Let me know when I bore you, honey. Oh, I promise you we could go on for hours, but I don't want to do that to you. I know your feet are up and everything, but you're going to want to eat dinner at some point tonight. But um, uh, uh, let, <laughs> let me ask you, so you brought it up. Talk about babe or eat. I'd rather talk about babe. Honestly, me too. Me too. My girlfriend can fend for herself tonight. Um, but so, so you brought it up, the Red Sox and the Yankees, and I've seen some pictures of you online. Obviously, you have that jersey that's cut in half. I think that's great. Don't you love that? I do like don't it. I do love, love it. So I'm just curious. I mean, I don't know what what kind of stories you might have, um, or or what. But how how did he feel about that whole? You know, we'll call it a trade, but it was really just a, a sale or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and well, how have how have you been able to kind of move forward and kind of bring those two cities and fan bases that are notorious for really hating each other to rather than well, fight about it, just kind of all celebrate it at once. Well, that's why I try to, you know, the adults are worse than the kids. Oh, I believe it. The kids it, yeah. understand. Uh-huh. It's, the, it's the adults that are fighting. That's funny. Because Not I'm trying to tell the kids. Yeah, I said you want to embrace. It's the only really historical rivalry in baseball. No matter, in other words, even if it's not the last game of the World Series and you're facing them in the playoffs, that's your World Series when the yep. Yankees and the Red Sox get together. That's a, who cares who wins the series? We're paying attention to this right now. And um, it, it, it's been hard to get the adults. They'll still fight. 
but the kids are starting to get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, when he was with Boston, what was I going to tell you? I was going to tell you about, um, well, he got, when he was with Boston, he loved Boston. He did. He had a farm there. Um, he he was pitching. He loved, and by the way, he loved pitching more mm-hmm. than hitting. Really? I knew he loved really? it. He, I lo- mean, oh. he was incredible at he, it. He would have stayed a pitcher if they left him alone. He wanted to be a, his his favorite record was twenty nine and two thirds consecutive pitched. Um, well, how do they say that? In other words, no homers. Um, see, this is why. Oh wow! About. Okay, twenty nine mm-hmm. uh, scoreless pitched innings in World Series play. That is that's, an inc- that's a good statistic to remember. Record. That's a very good statistic to remember. I like that one. Yeah, that's that, and it didn't even stick really clear. But um, that's that was it. before he died. They asked him what his favorite record was, and he was very. That was his proudest. Not the sixty home runs, not all the. It was that, and so he was a pitcher at heart. But of course, he had a mighty bat. And when he was with Boston, they used him every day, and he was getting tired. Now, this is a young 19, 20, you know, 19, 20 year old man. And he said, I'm getting tired. They said, well, stop, start, par- stop partying at night. He's going, I'm not partying. You're playing me every day. Every you know? day. Oh, goodness. Every day. And so, uh, and, and it was in high tense situations. It wasn't just he's playing, a, you know, a shortstop every day. It was, it, it, we're talking about pitching and hitting, which are real pressurizers, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, but he did it, he did it. And, uh, and what happened was, um, he loved it and he loved Boston and he had a farm in Boston. He was very happy. People say he was a turncoat guys in those days. You didn't have a chance. You, if they owned you, they could sell you. Yep. You had no choice where yeah. you're going to go. There was nothing back then. And, no free agency. Like it pretty much just mm-hmm. meant like if you were on Boston, you were there until they decided you weren't there anymore. That's right. In fact, the last two people to go was Tris Speaker went to the Tr- Detroit Tigers and Babe went to Boston. I mean, went to New York. But um, it, it, it's, he, you have to go. But of course, Babe being Babe, bloom where you're planted, he found all these wonderful things in New York. Lights, speakeasies, you know, all these fun things to do in New uh-huh. York. So he he settled in quite well in New York. It sounds like and, it. Yeah. He had a little trouble with authority, but, but uh, you know, you know, hanging uh, Huggins off the back of the train by his ankles. He really did do that. Uh-oh. And which is, it, well, yeah, and not a nice thing to do, people. But he thought he was Babe Ruth and that's it. In fact, he used to stand up against Mount, uh, Kinsaw Mountain Landis, the, 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 um, you know, the, oh God, now I'm getting into difficult borders here because uh, I'm going to have you in knots now. Um, I, I'm totally changing um, stories on you. That's fine. During the Black, during the Black Sox scandal, mm-hmm. okay? And you know what that is? That's yes. Eight Man Out, the movie? Yep. Okay. Great movie. What happened was Landis promised the Cubs that he would, or White Sox, that he would not throw them out, um, the men out, if mm-hmm. they just admit what they did. Yep. 
Well, they admitted what they did, and Landis totally threw them out. Mm-hmm. He went against his word. Now, here comes Babe with the home run. Okay? Franchise by franchise people. You know, we were more moral, moral, our more, let's see, our moral standards were really, really high. I mean, they used to get dressed in, in, in ties and dresses to go to the mm-hmm. uh, ball game. So uh, when they eight men and the gamblers got in there, they thought, "Oh God, no! This is this this sport is tainted too," and they stopped coming. Then Babe came with his home run and franchise by franchise, he brought it all back because he was exciting. Mm-hmm. This man hitting home runs—they're not even moving man from base to base to base. Now it's gone, and you run the bases. You know what I mean? So he, he brought the excitement back. And, um, oh God, I forget where I was now. So, oh, so what happened was he got pretty into himself. Okay. He thought who the heck he was, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, and once, and he's, now he's in, now he's now with New York. Mm-hmm. And, um, he actually stood up against Landis and said, you know, this is not right. It was, it had to do, now I'm going to, I'm kind of kind of web off again on you. The Negro League, te- the Negro League teams. Babe loved the Negro League teams. He loved the guys. All the great pitches, they weren't coming out of the white teams. It was coming out of the Negro Leagues. All these fancy picture pitches and everything. So Babe had an eye of a pitcher. So you'd see him. There's pictures of him just looking at the field. In concentrating, if anybody wonders what he's doing, he's studying the he's studying the pitcher. He's watching them because he, he he by the way they moved their body language, he knew what would be coming at him. So that's what he did. He studied pitchers. Now he's in the Negro leagues, and what is this pitch that you just threw me that I missed? Mm-hmm. You know what is that's, this? You know, I love it. He loved it because he was challenged. It was like, whoa, 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 back up. And so he would get along with them. He'd barnstorm with them any chance he'd get. In fact, the first barnstorming game he picked, and he had 500 to pick from, he picked the Cubans out of New Haven, Connecticut. And they were, they called themselves the Cubans, but they were a black team. And that's when it started. That was in 1918. So... Here's Landis saying, stop barnstorming with the Negro League. Stop. And he's going, no, don't you understand? This is in the papers. They should be part of the the league. What do you mean? They're good. The pitches, they're incredible. What are you doing? And Landis is telling him, shut up. And Babe wouldn't shut up. He said, shut up. I'll throw you out of baseball. Babe said, you can't throw me out of baseball. No way. Yep. He said, but I can throw your friends that were with you out of baseball. So they did. Remember that in 1922, they, he set out, I think it was a 15-game. Um, he got, yeah, he got suspended, 15 games. And his friend Bob Musel spent the time with him out of the game. So that didn't stop him, though, because he'd turn around and he'd do it anyway. He just wouldn't bring, bring any of the team with him. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's what he was. Babe knew what he was. Babe knew what he can do. And this, 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 uh, it's not that he didn't have respect for him. 
It was the way he was being treated by Landis that he didn't have any respect for him. I can understand you know, that. He, yeah, I, I can yeah. absolutely understand so, that. As you said, you know, if you're a 20 something year old kid and you're the one that's, you know, revolutionizing the sport, you're the one that's bringing people back mm-hmm. to the ballpark. Uh, you know, I could, I might get a little full of myself as well. I can't, I can't really blame him for that. And, you know, it sounds like he was doing something great, you know, spending some time with the Negro league and, and, and learning what they're doing and, and really studying the game that he loved so much. I think that's, that's the most important part is, you know, never just because someone's different than you doesn't mean they're not doing something a little bit better. And clearly back then, obviously, uh-huh. again, things were a little different. Um, but it's great that he, he had the, the wherewithal to be able to go and oh. say, Hey, no, they're, they're doing things. We're not, let's, let's pay attention. Let's bring them in They're They're, some of them are much better than us. You know, why aren't they there? We're, we're all here playing the same sport. What's the only difference is the color of our skin. Exactly. And they were better players. Let me tell you. And what happened was, um, even in 44, after he had retired, long after he retired, him and Dizzy Dean set up um, uh, in Yankee Stadium. They profiled two teams. One was the Black Yankees. Please excuse me. I don't remember the name of the other team. But he did it right in Yankee Stadium to show MLB, look at these guys. Look how good they are. You know what I mean? Because they had black Yankees. They had a team called the Blank Yankees. In fact, you know Bo Jangles, the dancer? Yeah. Bo Robinson? Absolutely. He owned them. Ah. Yeah, he owned the, the black Yankees. I didn't and know that. And so Babe even further showcased them any chance he can. He he, he could. My, my husband sat down with Monty Irvin and talked to him for a very good hour. And Monty remembers babe when they were with the negro leagues mm-hmm. and he said we used to get a dollar a day and a dollar a day would get you a steak a martini a couple of martinis and if there's something left over you could go to a matinee that's how much we got paid in the negro funny. leagues that's funny oh my goodness when babe barnstormed with the mm-hmm. negro leagues they made $1,500 a month. Whoa. All right. Especially back then. Goodness. Each, each player, $1,500 a month when Babe decided to barnstorm with them. And if by chance they didn't make the gate, Babe would pay the gate. Make sure the guys got paid. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. That's how. That's it is. It is. And it's like, yeah, Grandpa, you know? <laughs> Would you expect, you know, at this point, I don't expect any leads. Yeah, you know, I, you know I, 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 it's, yeah, that's what he would do, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got a chance to talk to a lot of people that knew Babe when he was alive. I don't know if you remember Stan the Dancing Man. I do not. At the Yankees. Okay, during the game, he used to get up and dance. Well, he, he was, um, he knew my grandfather when he was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And he used to take Babe to Mama Leone's when Mama Leone was alive, you know, uh-huh. and in New York. And uh, he said people would come constantly to talk to him or get an autograph. And I used to tell him, hey, guys, stay away. Let the guy eat. He said, but you know what your father said? No, leave him alone. Let him come. Mm-hmm. He'd eat with one hand and sign with another. <laughs> he was ambidextrous. And, and, and he said, your grandfather, I'm here to tell you that your grandfather never said no to 
anybody. And if you, if and if uh, you did him a favor, he'd do you two favors back. And I said, really? His name was Stan Grasso. I said, mm-hmm. really, Stan? He says, that's the truth. That is the truth about your grandfather. He never said no. If someone needed his help, whether it be Boy Scouts, he even, you know, then, you know, Masons, then, you know, Catholics weren't allowed to do anything for the Masons. I mean, they were very segregated. Mm-hmm. If, the, if the Masons need something, babe said, sure, I'm there. It didn't matter who you were. If you need me, I'm there. The guys used to go up, you know, he was getting $80,000 or some of the guys were just getting six, you know, $6,000, $8,000 a year. He was getting 80. If they needed any help, he'd just hand him money and say, here. And half the time he'd forget he lent it and they'd give it back to him and he'd say, oh, no. I keep it. That's, yeah, oh, he goodness. knew. Yeah. He knew the guys needed his help. And 80000 in those times, oh my God. It, now I think they did a thing on him finding Babe Ruth. And I think they said it would be like $3.8 billion now. His 80000 then. You know, they, I don't know how they calculate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's how much money he would be making. They said he'd have to own the franchise. Oh, goodness. And his branding, his branding would be off the chart. Oh, yeah. They couldn't even, they couldn't even put a price on his branding. Oh, look at and, what it's uh, still doing now. You know, as we talked about before, his PR agency, uh, you know, it's still, it's still running strong at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't say that now, but at one time in his birthday year, those checks were humongous. It's more than my husband made in a year. And he had a good job. Yeah. So that's... yeah, he yeah, his name now it's now it's come down just like everything else, you know, that everything comes down. Um you have to kind of stick with the times and we mm-hmm. do when when the licensing company, they're pretty reasonable. I like this this licensing company we have now. Mm-hmm. And and uh Luminary does a nice job and 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 they also do charitable things too, which I like. That's important. You know, they'll, Absolutely. They'll, yeah, especially considering your grandfather, as we've been just talking about the last few minutes, was you know was a very giving man. Oh, wow. So of course we want to make sure that we're, um, you know, if you're if you're tying yourself up with the company, you want to make sure that they're they're made of good people, just like of uh, you know the people that you're representing. That's, it. That's I love it. that. And you know, and you know what? No matter how tired I am, I don't drink when I when I sign because there's a line. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really do paid. I usually do it for charity. You know, I do mm-hmm. some paying, but mainly get me there kind of thing. Yeah. That's, I don't, you know, and there's a line. There is a line and I will not break off a line. I did it once because I had to catch a train and I hated the look on the people's face mm-hmm. when I got mm-hmm. up. And so, you know, they, they want me to do card shows. I won't do card shows because they want me to do shifts. And I'm going, no, I will not do shifts. I don't do that. I will not leave a line. I won't. No, I don't want to do a card show. So I don't do them. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, and, and I sit and I talk to the fans and my husband, this is where my husband, we work as a team. My husband will walk along the line telling stories, keeping everybody happy. And I'm That's saying, cool. I'll get to you guys. Uh-huh. I'll give you just as much time. Yeah. And when we give talks, he gets up there too. He's really very good at it. And so between the two of us, we bounce things off each other. People laugh. I make faces, he makes faces, you know, mm-hmm. husband and wife thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And everybody, 
that's what I tell everybody. When I talk, when I'm not going to lecture at you. I'm not going to talk at you. We're going to visit together about babe. So in the middle of my talking about babe, if that moment there's something you want to know, raise your hand. You can interrupt me because that's what we do. We're visiting. So it'll give me an idea what you want to know anyway. So interrupt me, you know, put your hand up. And, and that's how I do it. And it, it works wonderfully. People really seem to enjoy it and they're in a happy mood when they're done. You know, it's, 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 it works. Someone it works. told me. I love it. Oh, you've had me yeah. engage this the entire time. I don't want to interrupt many of your stories <laughs> unless I just want to interject for a second. And I've, I've loved every sure. second of it. As I told you, we could do this all night, Linda. I promise you. Oh, that. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what happened? Someone said I should go to Toastmasters and I should go learn how to, how to talk, you know, no. lecture. And, no. And that's what, that's it. You said it, Michael. That's exactly what everybody said. No, don't do that. No, because then it does. It comes off super authentic. I mean, as you said, like you know, you've uh, you've you've changed stories a couple times, but I've enjoyed you know your train of thought and where you're coming from and how you got from one story to another. I mean, I think there was one part in there um, where you oh. changed stories three or four times. We were talking about the Black Sox for a second. Um, but I love it all because I know, it really it's does. I know web. It, yeah, it, that's fine. It's fine. I like it that way because it really allows me to understand where you're coming from, and if you're this conduit, for lack of a better term, to him and what he's been yeah. able to do, and um, you know, I want to see that. I want to feel that. I want to hear that, and and understand exactly how you've been able to, you know for the last 50 years, study your grandfather and everything that he's done. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many stories, I'm sure that, you know, you, there's a hundred more that we could talk about. Um, but at the same time, it's really, it's really just awesome to hear kind of, you know, some of the things that he's done. And, and you, you do such a great job with the details of the story that it really does put me there. <laughs> it, it does feel like I'm visiting and you use yeah. a great term. And, I, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation so far. You have to watch me. My, I'm so animated. But people seem to love it. I'm very, I talk with my hands because I'm Italian. I'm yeah, Italian. me too. Me too. And, <laughs> and so people say, Andy, Andy will say, I'll say, because a lot of times I don't, I, I don't know if I'm just paying attention to what I want to say or trying to get in what babe wants me to say. I don't know. But sometimes I don't remember what I said when I was up at the podium. Oh, no. I don't know why, uh -huh. but I don't. I don't always remember. And I'll tell you. I'll say, Andy, was what did I did, was it good? Was it okay? And he'll say, Well, you kinda loped down here, you know, but most of the time he says, No, you're really animated. People seem to he watches the crowd. He said, No, people mm -hmm. seemed really interested. And I said, Okay, good job, Linda. Thanks. Thanks, <laughs> Grandpa. I always say grandpa. I, mom or grandpa, get in my mouth. Please get in my mouth. Yep, let them take oh, the, the stories, right? By the way, my mother, when I keep saying mom, my mother, my mother was Dorothy, the little one mm -hmm. that you see him kissing and hugging all the time. That was my mother. She had six children. So I'm the youngest of six. So, um, and he's got nine great grandchildren and he's got six great, great grandchildren and he's got a big family and all I DNA. It. I love like it. And people I hope say, what's the, what's the best thing you got a babe? I said, the DNA. Yep. And it comes through. It comes through. I mean, it's, it's been very, you know, you telling the stories of what he's done and, and, you know, then being able to tell the stories of what you've done, as you said, you never want to cut off a line. That's not something your grandfather would do. He would eat and he would sign, no. um, you know, so what, you're, you're not even eating. You should just be able to sign, right? It shouldn't be too difficult for you. So, uh, no, I love oh, you're it. Not hearing love my it. Chewing? You're not hearing my chewing? No. I'm not. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Um, so, so Linda, this has been. What absolutely would you like to know? 
Well, oh, no, I, I didn't mean, ask there any questions you want to know. No, no, believe me, this has been incredible. I've I've learned so much. I mean, there was only you know I wanted to learn about the Red Sox and the Yankees a little bit, so you gave me some great detail yep. there. Um, and you know we've gone off on so many stories. Like this is this has been fantastic. There wasn't anything super specific. I guess th- there's a couple last questions I do have. Um, sure. One is, I gotta know, did he really point his bat? Yes. Okay, cool. That's it. That's all I got. That was the most important one yep. to me. So that, that's yep. all I he, needed he to know. Did it, all I got to tell you, he did it all Please. the time. Oh. He, did oh. It in, <laughs> he did it in Japan. He'd come in and say, hey, what, what, what side did Joe hit on the scoreboard? And they'll say, oh, you hit to the right. He said, well, mine's going to the left. Now I got to ask it. you a question I ask yeah. everybody. Perfect. Michael, if I took, at six years old, I put a bat and ball in your hand. Okay. And a glove. Mm-hmm. And you wore that every day because you went outside every day when you were at St. Mary's, which was a reformatory trade school mm-hmm. uh, slash orphanage. And you played out there, rain or shine, and you learned how to play this game and you played it, or, and then you continued to play it as a career. Don't you think you'd be able to do just about anything you wanted with the three of those things? I think so. Because they'd be like another appendage, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is something I got to tell you. Nobody realizes this. You know when my grandfather relaxed when he was on the field? Mm-hmm. I believe it. That where I felt most re- com- that's where he's most comfortable, right? Relax. What? What? player today can tell you oh i'm relaxed when i'm on the field not, not many. many yeah not too many i mean they might enjoy it but relaxed is probably not the word they would use he would you know that's another reason why this is a kind of a tack on to the story why he pointed my grandfather what he was saying whether he was saying to Ruth, i'm gonna i'm gonna shove this right down your throat what the story of that is real fast i don't know do i have time to tell it you have you, you're, okay. you're, you're perfect. This is endless. This, Mark, is, this will end when you want right. it to end. <laughs> okay. Mark Koenig used to be a teammate of Babe's. Mm-hmm. Well, when he went over to the, who were they playing when they were pointing the, was it the Cubs or the White Sox? I always get them confused. I do not remember when they did off the top of my pointing. head. Anyway, when he, the, when the, <laughs> everybody out there is going, oh, She's really idiot. No, I, I do. I, I, I get so into babe that I'm forgetting other things. Well, they, he was a teammate of that team. And what happened was he wasn't there for the whole year, but the reason they won was because he was a really asset to the team. They weren't going to give him a full purse of, of the, of the series. So babe made it quite clear how he, what he thought about that. And it wasn't good in the papers. He let it be known that that was, that was really not a nice thing to do to Mark Koenig. So by the time this all revved up um, and uh, he got to Chicago, they were spitting on him, babe. Mm-hmm. And they were missing babe and hitting Claire, his second wife. Oh, no. And she said, aren't, she said, aren't you going to say anything? She says, I'll speak with my bat tomorrow. That's what he told them. Yeah. But he, now you got to figure everybody's really pissed off. They're upset. They're, you know, they're throwing, now the day comes, they're throwing vegetables on the field. They're, you know, they're, they're booing, they're hissing. Babe's up there with a full count. 
and it's dusty, kicking, everybody's upset. And he goes, points. Now, Root didn't see him because Root was, had. if you look at the film, he's looking out into the outfield telling him to back up because I think he had a feeling something was coming. Mm-hmm. The uh, catcher was talking. He was faced away from Babe talking to the umpire when Babe was pointing. You could see it right on the film. So when they say they didn't see Babe point, they, they're not lying. They didn't see Babe point. So now he's saying either to root, I'm going to, I'm going to shove this down your throat or it's going out of here. Whatever it was, whatever mm-hmm. he's saying, there was four reporters on the field, given a blow by blow of what was going on at the time. And he had a full count, whatever he said or whatever he did it, out, it went yes, right it did. where he was pointing. Okay. So now with this, I'm going to tell you, if my grandfather was doing what he was saying, saying and pointing, and it didn't go there, would anybody speak about it? Would it even come up? He would have been, yeah. He would have been struck out, and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was my grandfather's reasoning of why he was so good, and that's what he tried to stress with kids that he taught. You know, you do your best. If you don't do it. You'll do it next time. Mm-hmm. There's no failure. You don't use the word failure. You don't fail. You give it your best. If you give it your best and you don't make it, it's not your fault. It's not, not your day. So I believe that he pointed because he said, well, so what if I don't make it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What that a, was his that's thought. True. That was, I'm trying to think of how we see. I'm, I'm piecing together this big jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay of my grandfather's life that not a lot of people write about so i'm really putting together pieces and i have people that come up to me and it makes me laugh each time when they say you know that knew him they said spending spending time with me was like spending time with babe that's what they tell me mm-hmm. which i think what i think in my head was geez if i'm like him Oh my God, the poor guy. He must have been somewhat like me. You know, that's what's going in my head, right? Oh, no, 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 guy. no, no. It's a good thing. I'm sure if people spend time with him and they can spend time with you and feel feel that same feeling, because it sounds like he was a man that um that not only acted and, and did good things, but made people feel good as well. I think that's the most. People are gonna, not going to remember what you're going to say. They're going to remember how you make them feel. Well, that must be it. And, and of course, I'm talking about Babe, which is going to make him mm-hmm. feel great. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, and that's, how, that's actually, and Babe was no show. Babe was uh, like me. You're talking like this to me now on, on the phone. If you were anywhere and met me, I'd be going, hey, Michael, ah, you'd, I'd be the same way. I, I don't change. This is me. What you're hearing is me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my mother used to get up and be able to sound like the queen of England. And we'd look at her like, mom, you know, we didn't, she was, she was incredible. I can't do that. I am what I am. I write, I write how I speak. You know, I'm just, this is me. Take it or leave it, you know, change your channel if you don't like it kind of thing. And so I think that's how babe was. This is me. Take it or leave it. You know? And I think maybe, and and, and I kind of got that from mom too. Mom was like, you know, if you're going to stand out, make it good. You know, that was yeah. 
I like that. That's good advice. <laughs> I mean, who else? There's only one you, you know, no, no reason. To yeah, just, uh, that's it. You are, and that's, you know? that's really all you can do. So. And if, and, and if you're a group of women and you're not there, they're talking about you. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not, I'm not going to comment on that. That one is, that is not something I'm going to touch Linda. Um, so well, that so, was my mother's philosophy. Oh, you know, okay. she didn't join group. Hey, no, but go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That was funny. Thank you. Um, I know what, you know, one thing you want to talk about, and I do want to wrap this up in a little bit because I think it'll be fun sure. to just do this again towards the beginning of the baseball season. Um, you know, oh, I wish I we it. had this, I wish we had this conversation a few weeks ago, so I could have released this episode on his birthday, but Hey, it is what it is. I think you and I spoke on his birthday anyway, so it was still kind of cool. But, yeah, we did. We yeah, did. But next, nice. maybe next year we'll hit his birthday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like that. You know, we could do this. I mean, shoot, we can do this once a week. I'm sure you have more and more stories to go. I won't, I won't <laughs> burden you with that kind of time, but what, um, I know you've recently, tried to have major league baseball retire number three throughout baseball for a very good reason and yes. i really want to understand you know what that reason is and really what those what what do you everyone listening here everyone that you speak with what are you trying to leave mm-hmm. them with about your grandfather and what are you trying what is that last image that lasting image that you want to leave people with and really the reason behind you know wanting to retire his number well he saved baseball from from the scandal, the Black Sox scandal in 1919. And he literally saved the game. He revolutionized the game with the home run. Now, I could give you a list of papers and papers of why it should be done. I'm just trying to give the, the what I think is the important ones. Babe was always inclusive, not exclusive. If he was on a ride, he invited everybody to get on the ride with him. So that's where the the Negro Leagues come in. He mm-hmm. said, come on, everybody play baseball. And he thought women should have their own league. How do you like that for, for future thinking, you know, awesome. progressive yeah. thinking? He just didn't want them in the major leagues because they were spiking. Mm-hmm. And the guys had really bad mouth. You were allowed to, you know, yell things mm-hmm. about your mm-hmm. grandmother and twice on Sunday. Oh, no. So Babe thought, and the spitting, and the, he thought the atmosphere for a girl wouldn't have been exactly a lady wouldn't have been really good, but he was all for them having their own leagues. In fact, he used to coach um, and give clinics to softball leagues all the time, women's softball leagues. So he thought, you know, baseball saved him. Baseball can save anybody. Mm -hmm. That's why he thought everybody, boy or girl, any color creed, he even went to Mexico to help them start teams because the 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 um, the uh, MLB said nobody go to Mexico. We don't want to. Babe was retired. He said oh, I can do whatever I want. Uh-huh. He got on a plane and went to Mexico and helped them. So he thought it was a good thing. Everybody should be together, and that was his philosophy. So I think the same too. Why can't? Like right now we have 42 up there, Jackie mm-hmm. Robinson, and God bless his soul. I'm not arguing whether he should be up there or not. I'm, I'm, that's not my argument. But when I wrote Selig about putting number three up, and I said, I don't want it to even come off the field. Anybody mm-hmm. that wants to wear three, I'll give a blanket. Okay. You can wear it. Mm-hmm. I don't think babe needs a, a, a game once a year. You know, to remember number mm-hmm. three, everybody mm-hmm. wear, wears number three on their backs. And a lot of the guys are getting tired of doing that between me and you. And, and everyone listening. So, 
Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know, um, I just want that three hanging in every park and stadium that he, he saved the game for. Mm-hmm. Just for people, like I said, if I had a choice whether we have a statue three or he's in, in people's hearts, you know what? I'd take in the heart every time with, mm-hmm. with generations passing him down to the next generation. I love it. I love it. That makes me, my heart dance. But I just think a little round number three next to, if, if he was first, I would welcome Jackie. Mm-hmm. I would hold the bar high. You know what I mean? I, I hold the ball, ball high. But I like to think that Jackie may not have been hanging there so soon if my grandfather hadn't done the homework before that. That's true. That's very true. Good point. So, so when Selig wrote to me, now I didn't even go there with it. When I wrote Selig about the idea and gave him all the reasons why Babe should number should be retired on, uh, throughout MLB, he said, well, Jackie was done for sociological importance and a myriad of reasons. That's a quote. Well, that's fine. I didn't ask you why Jackie was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not my business. You know, you did it, and that's great. And I like seeing 42 up there. That's, that's wonderful. I'm talking about my grandfather. And no one seems to want to answer that. So I have a, you know, they have, they, they, they tried to do it for Clemente and they've got tons and tons of signatures. And I don't think that's rocking anything, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on my, if you go to my site, which is truebaberuth.com, www.truebaberuth.com, all small letters, you can see an article where Robinson's wife and daughter say they want him to be the only one. And and anybody can go read it. And that was when they were trying to get Clemente retired. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, to me, in my sense, that doesn't seem right. Again, it's exclusivity. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't ring true. You know what I mean? I've never been one of those guys, you know, those people, oh, I can go in this club, but you can't. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. Neither was my father, my grandfather. That's why he didn't like Hollywood that much. He liked Fairbanks. That was <laughs> Fairbanks. He thought uh-huh. he was great. But actually, most of uh, most of Hollywood, he said, they're so fake. You know, he didn't really enjoy Hollywood at all. But but so he, I think that why can't we be inclusive and include Babe? And and never mind what he did. I could give you pages. Myriad, that means forever. I can do that easy. You know, um, I want to see their myriad of reasons. Yeah. Because I don't think there was a myriad. I, I Babe has a myriad of reasons. But I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Um, I know Mrs. Robinson is on the board of directors of MLB. Maybe that could be the reason why it's not being done. Um, I don't know. I didn't think he'd ever get the medal, the medal, um, the, um, the medal of freedom, but mm-hmm. he did. That's awesome. Finally, after 37 years, I didn't collect it. Unfortunately, the adopted side, because Claire was, uh, Julia was still breathing, got it. But you know what? I never really wanted the, the medal, mm-hmm. Michael. I just wanted to get it done, and it's done. I promise. It was a, it was a deathbed promise to my mother, because she was a pip. Picture this, I'm coming out, waking up in my pajamas because I took care of my mother and father. Mm-hmm. My mom looks at me and she said, call the White House, Linda. 
I think your grandfather deserves a medal of freedom. And I said, okay, mom. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me have my coffee. And good thing I saved, she went to the White House for the champion of sports. Good thing I saved some, some numbers. And so I did. Thus started our track. Mom passed in 89. It still wasn't done. She promised, I promised her that I would uh, keep doing it. And then Obama gave it to all these people for really doing not too much at all. And I said, Mom, you still want, I looked up as a mom, you still want me to do it? You know, it's not mm-hmm. really worth what it used to be. And so, but I promised her, so I had to do it. And here's a story that's really classic, babe. There was a little boy, of a, a friend of mine, and we used to call him a little politician. And he promised me, he's about 12 years old. He said, you know what? When I get to the White House, I'm going to get your grandfather the Medal of Freedom. And I said, well, I'm going to count on that. He doesn't want me to tell him his name because he is in Washington. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to he's going to the lawyer. He's going to uh, uh, the Catholic law school there. Don't you know that he gets Trump's right-hand man? And don't you think he gets the request right on Trump's desk? And Trump says, of course this should happen. And Babe got the, him and Elvis and another guy got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. At least, Love they, it. At least they're good company. But uh, yeah. the king of rock and roll and the king of uh, baseball. But but um, a little boy did it when he grew up. How how ruffian is that? Look at that. Come That's on, all could, it takes. I, I could, love it. That's a good I could, one. I, could, I couldn't write a story like that. You know what I mean? It's well, just, that's how it happened. But make sure to put it in your book. Yeah, I have to do that. I have that's to do awesome. that. But yeah. But so, and so I'll, I'm sure there's more we can talk about another time, honey. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait for the next time because, yes, there's a lot more more getting into some of these stories. This Linda, this was absolutely fantastic. Linda Ruth Tassetti, uh, Babe Ruth's granddaughter. As you've heard this whole episode, she is she's the number one source on all things Babe Ruth. And it's been a lot of fun, Linda. Sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time today. Oh, you're welcome, Michael. And you know what? I look forward to the next time, hon. Like I said, I love talking about my grandfather. I, and I just gave you I just gave you a, a pinky nail for Oh my goodness. I'm sure that's not even one percent of it. So I, I look forward to the yeah. next time too, Linda. Thank you so much. All right, you too, and you be well. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. On a personal note, I want to show some extra gratitude to everybody out there. This is my favorite thing that I get to do. So by you listening, um, it truly gives me an extra reason to do it. Uh, I was going to do it anyway, but thanks for thanks for sticking in this long. Uh, if there's anything I can do better, please let me know. I'm always looking to get better. I, I'm trying to get more reps. The more reps, the better I get, more practice, the uh close to the opportunity as to getting paid to do something like this. So I would sincerely appreciate that. If you all could please rate, review, subscribe, and share, um, specifically on iTunes. Five-star reviews are pretty great. They help with the algorithm a lot. So anyone out there on Apple, it would take you about four seconds. Um, So if you can give me a couple extra seconds of your time, I would really appreciate it. Make sure to follow me um, on the socials. Um, I think it's Michael Raziel or Michael period Raziel everywhere. Check it out. Um, Shoot me an email if you have any questions, Michael period Raziel one at gmail so i really threw for a loop there but other than that sincerely appreciate it thank you guys so much and i hope you make it a wonderful day